I love being on a team. So something like this, renovating the Boys and Girls Club here and giving them all this beautiful space, I didn't think of that on my own. Like, that's you. So I just feel like there's a lot of ways we create, and this is a cool one. Welcome to the third season of the Good Tidings Podcast, where we highlight and inspire a community of givers with your host, the founder of the Good Tidings Foundation, Larry Harper. This month's Good Tidings Podcast finds us in Eureka, California, the home of today's guest, who is my new friend and Good Tidings partner. She is a Grammy Award-winning songwriter and recording artist, a Tony-nominated Broadway composer, an Emmy-nominated actress, and a New York Times best-selling author. So, Sarah Bareilles, welcome to the Good Tidings Podcast. I am honored to be here, and we're in my hometown. This is amazing. This really is, and uh, we're actually sitting in the new Good Tidings Airstream on the opening of the Sarah Studio here at the Boys and Girls Club of the Redwoods. So tell me first about what your first impression today was when you walked into this new space that you helped create. Well, I think first we have to just talk about the jaw-dropping talent of Mir Da Silva, the muralist, the local muralist artist that was so generous with her beautiful creativity and gorgeous talent to cover the walls with the most beautiful parts of our natural beauty up here. That's the number one thing I think about when I think about coming home is the natural beauty up here. We have redwood forests and rivers and the ocean and incredible wildlife. And all of that is represented on the walls of this new space. And then it was just every corner you turned, there was another like toy or drum kit or piano refurbishing or podcast mic or ukulele. I mean, it's just, it's a playground. And the kids' faces, that was the other thing. The kids' faces were lit up like the 4th of July. It was awesome. Yeah. And so what is your hope? So you saw it, and now what is your hope for the teens here in this community, how they can use that space? I think one of the things about Eureka is that it is remote. We're about five hours away from San Francisco, California. So there's a thing that can happen here is that people feel, they call it the Redwood Curtain, that you can get stuck behind the Redwood Curtain if you don't get out and get to experience. Some people can't afford to get out and experience other places in the world. But there is a lot, what I hope for these kids is that they get a chance to use these new tools to express the things that I know they already have to say. I mean, one, we just met Liam. I just met Liam inside, who is not a super verbal teen, doesn't make a ton of eye contact, but sit him in front of the piano and he is playing a song he wrote that is absolutely astonishing, is so beautiful. So yeah, I just think there's a lot that they can express. And I want them to know that they have the tools and the accessibility to do it. And you are making that possible. You are making that possible. We'll go with we on that. Well, So growing up here in Eureka, did you first get the acting bug or was singing more of your thing early on as a kid? I think I got into, I was kind of in tandem. I got very interested in community theater because my mom was really involved in community theater and my older sisters were doing a lot of theater. So I did start doing plays when I was pretty young, 
or musicals, I should say. But at the same time, I was also participating in chorus and my high school choral groups. And so I just, I was a ham. I liked people looking at me while I was singing. (laughs) Yeah. And I had the pleasure of you performing for us two nights ago at the Masonic Theater and then hearing you perform here in Eureka and people uh, yesterday in a free concert. And people should know, you know, people think Eureka is a small town and it is in a way, but there is 26,000 people here. Yeah. 14,000 of them showed up <laughs> at the park yesterday to hear you sing. And what, and I, I, you probably know this, but you, and I lack the right term, but you're a very happy singer. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're smiling when you're singing. Mm-hmm. And so the first thing I think is that I start smiling, then I look at everybody else and there's 14,000 people smiling. <laughs> I mean, are you aware of that in your music? And is that a thoughtful thing you do when you create your music? What I feel, and especially what I felt yesterday on stage, was I wanted to stay in touch with the joy of this moment. This was a mammoth effort to make happen. It was the collective efforts of a ton of local organizations and resources that got pulled together to pull this off. My management team, Live Nation, was also a partner. We just had a ton of people getting this off the ground, and we could all feel It was a grand experiment. Eureka's never had an event like that in the history that I know of. So that was a little bit of like, is this possible? And then to look out and see how peaceful and how joyful the crowd was made me happy. It was a symbiotic relationship. It was just a really joyful thing to get to do. Yeah. I ask musicians this a lot or any artist, but obviously when voices were handed out in the womb, you certainly were gifted with such a special sound and tone. And at what age did you realize you had this special gift that might be different than others? I think, you know, I always looked up so much to my older sister, Stacy, who was a singer. And so I always felt like, I think I was always just trying to emulate her. But I think when I got to public school in eighth grade, I was in private Catholic school through seventh grade, and I had a challenging experience there. I was kind of bullied and made fun of. And so my family and I decided in eighth grade that I'd try public school. Let's make a change and see if that's any different. So I traded in my uniform for my like regular public school kid clothes. And it was awesome. And I felt like I kind of got this fresh start. And then when I would sing, I sang like the national anthem at a, you know, game or, or at a school assembly. And then I started getting sort of attention for that. And I think that's when I sort of realized that this is a unique thing to me that not everybody has. Yeah. Yeah. And when you are sitting around your apartment, are you more apt to be writing songs or are you thinking about, hey, maybe what's the next great waitress type play? I think I'm slightly more towards writing songs, but I also... Yeah, I'm better at those bigger collaborations. I mean, honestly, Larry, it's like something like this. I'm much better in a collaboration to be like, I don't look at a blank page and see all the possibilities that are there. (laughs) I have other gifts, but that I'm better when someone's like, what if we tried this? And then it's like, yes. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like people create differently. And I am really, I love being on a team. So, you know, something like this, renovating the Boys and Girls Club here and giving them all this beautiful space. I didn't think of that on my own. Like, that's yeah. you. So I just feel like there's a lot of ways we create, and this was a cool one. A couple of years ago, a few years ago, my wife and I had the 
privilege of being in New York to create an art studio in Harlem, we went to a play called The Waitress. <laughs> it's not easy to know I'm not anything Like I used to be Although it's true I was never attention sweet center I still remember that girl She's imperfect but she tried she Which Jason Mraz was the star of at the time you were just stepped away you were you came on stage at the end that night actually mm-hmm. to present some flowers to someone and this is well before I knew Jason and from that as people know, through our podcast and our partnership with Jason, he's been such a dear friend, and he introduced us to you, so we're certainly grateful for that. But that waitress, anyway, going back to the waitress, had to be beyond your dreams. Oh, unbelievable. Yeah. I can't even. And it was one of those things that, like, I said yes to as a, it was like a fearful yes, a fearful, like, unsure of myself yes. Like, I don't know if I can actually do this. So it was actually a really amazing endeavor to just sort of take another grand experiment and it's changed my life in every possible way. Yeah. I'm so grateful for the, for the ride. Yeah. It's been unbelievable. One of our very first celebrity partners back when we started 28 years ago, I reached out to a friend, a golfer friend who knew a singer named Alice Cooper <laughs> and Alice Cooper, I'm older. So he was the first album I ever owned schools out and you had the, pleasure of performing with him in Jesus Christ Superstar. Try not to get worried, try not to turn on to problems that upset you more. Don't you know everything's alright, yes, everything's fine, and we want you to sleep well tonight. Let the world turn without you tonight. If we try, we'll get by How is that experience doing live TV, and is that worse than live Broadway? I describe it as the musical theater Super Bowl. (laughs) It feels like the Super Bowl. It's like it's go time. You do all this rehearsal, all this prep, and then it's go, and you get one shot. And it's high intensity. But I was looking around at, you know, the people like Alice Cooper, who seemed cool as a cucumber, John Legend, cool as a cucumber, Brandon Victor Dixon, who had a much bigger part than I did. And they were all, you know, being very just like, like, okay, here we go. We're going to be professionals about this. So I was nervous, (laughs) but I'm like, I don't think I'm allowed to be nervous. I only have two songs in the show. (laughs) So it was so much fun. Yeah. I bet. And now you're in this great show my wife and I love on Peacock called Girls 5 Eva. How did that opportunity come about? I got one of those phone calls that nobody gets, like that that you're just like, pinch me. I can't believe this is happening. And Tina Fey had seen me in Waitress. They were launching Mean Girls when it was going to Broadway. She had come to see me. I was performing in Waitress at the time. And I guess I just got logged in her Rolodex of potential cast members of new shows. And I got a call. And that was like, are you interested? And so I had a meeting with her and Meredith Scardino, our our showrunner creator. And... I screamed at them like a little girl. I was like, what are you crazy? <laughs> I just, and I was in disbelief. I'm just like, are you sure? Because yeah. I've never done this before. And it's been another amazing left turn that I didn't see coming that yeah. I just feel so lucky for. Wonderful. You know, I asked this with some singers because you're in such a unique profession 
that singers love other singers. And I've looked at your social posts and you're at a concert and you're like in awe of another singer. Yeah. And then Friday night, you're performing on stage and I'm sitting right behind Jason Mraz and he's beside himself listening to you, just oh bobbing his gosh. head. No, but it, yeah. so, but I love, you wouldn't see that in certainly athletics or competitive sports or something, <laughs> oh, you right. know? So I love the fact that are you aware of that, that everybody props up everybody else kind of and just is so supportive of, so supportive of a community? Well, I think you've also been, like, Jason is an exceptional individual, as you already know. But, like, I think there are people in the arts, like, the in music that are competitive that kind of can't quite bring themselves to be happy for someone else. I think that they tend to be, whatever, jealous. But, no, I tend to think, my my philosophy on this is, like, it's not a ladder. It's not a hierarchical situation where someone's achieved more and so they're higher up than you. It's it's we're on a flat plane. I feel like I read this book called The War of Art and it was by Stephen Pressfield. And he talks about this as like artists occupy different landscape on the same plane. So it's not that like you have something, we all just occupy the space that we occupy. So there's enough for everybody. There's enough muse to go around. There's enough music to flow through you. There's enough art to make for everybody to make something unique and special. And I have more fun basking in the joyfulness of how good Lizzo is at what she does. I mean, like I could never do what she does. I love what she does or how good Jason is. And he can't, he, I can't do what he does. And just, there's so much to relish and cherish as a fan. It's yeah. so much more fun to be a fan. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. And on Friday night, I noticed, and I noticed it here on Sunday night, you're right out of the shoot talking with the audience. Yeah. I mean, you're after your first song on Friday night. You flip off your shoes. I can't. I couldn't touch I can't the pedals. Play, I can't play the piano with shoes on. <laughs> yeah. Throw them off. Talk about your feet. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it just just makes everybody feel like you're one of them. And has that always been your way? Yes. I don't have another. I don't. I, I have like the honesty gene to a fault. Like it's not always very charming, but it is just the way I am. So I tend to feel more comfortable and relaxed when I'm just in relationship with the audience. If we're not, if I'm not trying to put on any pretense that I'm occupying some other space than they are. Yeah. We're in this room together. I'm going to have fun if you have fun and vice versa. So I think we got to just be in the same boat here. Yeah. And is that, I noticed you met, you went to Catholic school growing up. Yeah. I assume you may be a little spiritual. Mm -hmm. And this song, St. Honesty. Let the rain wash away that go hand in hand with your authenticity as a performer? I, I really believe I am a spiritual person. I wouldn't say I feel Catholic anymore, but yeah. I, I am deeply spiritual. I believe in a higher power. I believe that the higher power lives in every human being on earth. And our job is to lift each other up here while we, while we get to be on this plane of existence, our job is to lift each other up. And yeah, saying honesty, I, I believe that truth is the, it's the God in all of us. It's the it's the thing that brings out our biggest and brightest selves. It's the thing that brings us closer, even when it's uncomfortable, even when it's difficult. If we can be truly honest, like that place in yourself that is like unshakable. It's right. just so true. Yeah. If you can learn to 
practice sharing that out loud with people. It's scary. And it's not always, I don't always, I don't always feel brave enough to do it, but it's sort of, it's a, something I aim for. Yeah. Now I never heard you sing in college or as a young person, but I'm, I'm, when you belted out a couple of those notes on Friday night, I thought, whoa. You've been singing now for enough years. What do you do to keep your voice youthful? Is there a, is there something that works for you or? Well, I think I, in some ways I really just feel I have been blessed with flexible mechanics. And it's just simply the way my voice works that has served me incredibly well over the years. As I'm aging, I'm 42 now. As I'm aging, I'm noticing I have to work a little harder. Sleep is number one. I need a lot of sleep if I'm going to be performing a lot. Hydration is number two. I need a lot of like, first and foremost, yes, water, but also coconut water and things that have the right kind of juice. Sure, sure. (laughs) So I got to stay really hydrated. And then the third thing is joy. Joy makes it easier to sing. It really does. It is like if I get stressed and I get tight, the first thing to go is my vocal cords. They're just like they're little tiny, you know, they're tiny <laughs> muscles that make a right. big sound. But the first thing to go, if I get tight, they get tight. And so I try to stay loose. Yeah. Well, I just wanted to thank you again, first of all, by saying yes to the idea and working with me on this. I think we picked a wonderful spot. You saw the kids today, what the space is going to mean to them, yeah. not only musically, but a place for them to hang that's safe and inspirational. Drama plays are going to happen. All sorts of stuff are going to happen in this space. So anyway, I wanted to say thank you for that. And my hope is that very soon we'll do something new for Children of Need and maybe we'll do it in New York City. I love it. Yes, to the first of what I hope will be many collaborations. Thank you. have just enjoyed an episode of the Good Tidings podcast, highlighting the goodness in people. To learn more about and to support the Good Tidings Foundation, log on to goodtidings.org. This monthly program is brought to you by the generosity of responseresponsibility.org. Don't miss out on the Good Tidings podcast by reviewing and subscribing to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.